0: good morning again. We're we're glad you're here. hope you're praying for the pastor and his wife on their mini-vacation and his studies also after this, and we uh, are wishing them God's best as they get a little change of pace there. As you have your bulletin uh, insert today, you notice the title of the message is, Where Does God Fit in Your Life? Now, some people don't like us to ask that question. And there are a few more on here that you probably don't like as well. But you see, when you proclaim God's word, that's just tough. This is what has to happen. And um, you, may, you may have never been asked the question before, but anyway, you won't be able to say it after this morning. Do you know that the book of James is very practical? Uh, it, uh, it really hits us where it hurts. It always has. The book of James is so very, very practical. Where does God fit in your life, my friend? Is it even right to ask the question? Do you want to have room for him? Are you happy to live without God in your life? Are you just as well off without God in your life? Are you interested in having God in a part of your life? Are you interested in putting God in first place in all of your life? How much are you willing to do to make God preeminent in your life? Are you ashamed to have others know that God is not consulted about some things in your life? What am I about to say is strange we've already said that so you may have never heard it before I want to help all of us dear folks today as we look at God's word I want us I want us to to find out how to put Jesus into our lives in an honorable way that's what the book of James is all about so James identifies, In this chapter, which is written in your book, the James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, James identifies six areas in our lives that we tend to leave God out of. And you say, why in the world did he put it in here in the book of James? Well, he he put it there because that's the reason we sometimes leave him out of these areas. So he is reminding these people about it. And incidentally, uh, he was probably... Uh, he was doubtless, we know he was writing to to Jewish people, and these were probably businessmen to whom he was writing of the Jewish population that he was writing to in in this letter. And so we realize that um, the illustration he uses is probably of a business person making these plans. But you see, they are adaptable to you and me. So that's why we can't escape, because we will show that as we go on. So Let's look at it a little more closely and see how James um, unpacks this particular sentence. Uh, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a, pay, make a profit. He is telling the readers of this letter exactly what they are doing. And incidentally, folks, it's exactly what we are doing. It was as if James was saying right here, take a good look at what you are really saying, my dear friends, as he wrote to them. Take a look. Come on now. Just really, what are you saying? Well, in our outline, number one, the little phrase today or tomorrow. You say they said, come on now, you who say today or tomorrow. Oh, okay. So he's talking about when we are going to do a certain thing. When we are going to do a certain thing. Well, um, it's talking about the time frame. Now, when someone plans something, they usually know when it will start, correct? Like if you're going to go on a vacation, when are you are going to start? Well, tomorrow, sure. Yeah, like the time I went to Singapore to celebrate my brother's 80th birthday, 85th birthday, I think it was. And uh, yes, I read the, the ticket wrong. And I told everybody I was going to go at midnight. The plane left at noon. I missed my 16 hour flight to Singapore. Horrible, horrible experience. Not good to be dogmatic. So this is talking about the when of a certain thing. When you plan or what you are going to do. It's when. Now the sixth thing, the next thing, number two is he uses the word we. So that means that's who is involved in this. When we make Plans. We always at least include ourselves and other people, so it's talking about the the, the people of the plan that we are making. Uh, these are the people, and now number three is it says such and such a city. Because when you make plans, you usually know who's going to go with you, you know when you're going to leave, but then you you know where you're going to go, and that's what it is here, such and such a city. You see. Probably in James' day, the the, uh, the businessmen to whom he wrote, they were probably standing with a big map in their hands, tracing exactly where they're going to go tomorrow, and that's their plan, you see. Now, number four, it says, Spend a year there. That's I'm just taking verse 13 apart, as James is doing here. It says, uh, where, where we, will, we will go, that's in number three. And number four is how long were you going to be there? How long are you going to be there? Uh, you see, spend a year. Uh, that's talking about the duration of your plans or whatever you're talking about in your, in your uh, plans to do this particular thing. A family, like, told me they were going to be gone for a whole week. That's about normal for a lot of people. Uh, missionaries, they say, oh, we'll be gone for four years and we'll come back. Um, then number five is what will we be doing while we're there you see the little phrase buy and sell tells us about the commercial men the, the businessmen in and, and James Day they were, they were probably going to go there and they were going to uh, they were going to buy and sell that's the what will we be doing when we get there uh, in our plans we always know why and what we're going to be doing when we're gone somewhere I remember when I was pastor here, our son, Raleigh, who's in the service today, uh, got us a computer and uh, also a, a printer from a source, I believe, down in Tucson, wasn't it, Raleigh? And uh, I had never never had a computer, didn't know how to turn one on, didn't know what one whether it was. We came home from Brazil. I was over 50 years old, but he got us some material. I was determined to learn about computers. So we took the computer up to that place, what is it called, Glen and up there by Maple Falls somewhere, and we spent 10 days, and I read the manual, and I learned how to use the computer, learned how to use Microsoft Word, I knew how to, how to print it, because we, we came back home, and then my intention was to, in the church office, whoever the secretary, it might have been Linda, I don't know, uh, we, we started printing the church bulletin on the computer that I had just learned how to use. And printed on the printer that we our son had just got for us. So that was kind of fun. So, you see, people do make plans. And uh, they know what they're going to do when they're gone, usually. And that's what was happening here in this day. And so it was kind of interesting. then the sixth thing is, uh, I call this our goal. Our goal while we are gone. Because, you see, here's what a businessman said. We're going to make a profit. That was their goal, see. Make some money. Nothing... Incidentally, folks, there's nothing wrong with any of these things that have been talked about today. Nothing wrong with any of them. So these six things reflect many areas of our activities every day, dear friends. You see, whether they are like this exactly doesn't make any difference, but we have similar things that we do every day of the year that are kind of like this. Okay, now, the, uh, the snag is this. Look at verse 14 Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away So after telling them what they are saying in verse 13 now he's going to tell them you don't know what you're really saying because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow You see, we are not we are not to boast about tomorrow. That's the bottom line of the snag. We are not to boast about tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1 is a great verse in the Bible. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth and how true that is. Uh, another thing down here, it says, uh, number two, don't boast about your life. Well, they're, they're interrelated here, of course. Don't, don't, uh, brag about, uh, don't brag about tomorrow. Don't brag about your life. And it's, he's, he talks about a vapor. This is, this is real interesting language and easy to understand what he's talking about. It's like a vapor. What about uh, what about the students last week that got mowed down on Smith Road? Was their life taken away like a vapor? Just like that. In fact, I renamed the road. Excuse me if you live on that road. They call it gravel line. Is that what it's called? Gravel, huh? Gravel line. I renamed it Grave Line. And uh, I was in Los Angeles having a meal and we heard a shot. I'm very curious, so I had to leave my meal and go outside on Fifth and Hope Street, downtown LA, and I saw a man pointing like that to the key shop, the man we knew very well that made keys. So I ran down there looked in the window, and I saw a wisp of smoke coming out from the end of the barrel, which he had used to blow the top of his head off. Life is a vapor. And you don't like to hear things like this, but folks, your life is a vapor. You don't have a clue when you'll take your last breath. And the reason why we have God's word and the reason why preachers preach is because we want people to be prepared to meet Jesus when they die. You may not have a care in the world about it, but Jesus does. And people who are believers do. They want to be sure that you know for sure where you are going. David, uh, <laughs> David said something very beautiful. He says, as truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Isn't that so true? 1 Samuel 20, verse 3. Psalm 39, 5. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my ages as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best is but vapor. It really is so. How many people never, never saw their tomorrows? Never. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Prepare to meet your God, Amos told the Jewish nation. Prepare to meet your God. Jesus gave a mighty, sobering parable about this very thing. And I want to read it to you. It's so powerful. I love it. Luke 12. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully... And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And then there I will store all of my, my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease And eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, folks, you're only rich toward God when you know Jesus as your personal Savior. And when it talks about when, when, when God called him a fool, you know why, don't you? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's God talking, not anyone else, not me or anyone else. So folks, the solution, the solution is a very interesting little verse. Verse 15, I'm sure you saw it. He said, instead... You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And you might say, well, boy, is that a magic formula? Oh, no. That becomes a lifestyle for the believer in Jesus. They're not just mouthing words here. It's not, a, it's not talking like a parrot. It's not just mouthing something that you want to say to make it sound good to God. It's not a, it's not a magic formula. This is not a robot reaction. This is, this is a lifestyle. Because I belong to Jesus. I want to go and do and think and work the things he wants me to do. I would have it no other way, nor would you if you're serious with God. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What great counsel. You see, there was nothing wrong, as I told you, with what verse 13 and thirteen says. Here was the trouble. The Lord was left out of their plans. And folks, the time is that we need to come to grips with this problem that we as believers in Jesus, many times we leave God out of our plans. It is so easy for us to say, I'm going to do this or that, without ever a thought of saying Lord Jesus, do you really want me to do it? <clears throat> what, a, what is being rebuked is making all these plans without any dependence upon God. Even Christians can make the mistake of thinking, thinking that when it comes to business, everything depends upon our own human talents and wisdom. But folks, it just is not so. Here's the warning. The warning is given us here. Look at, verse, look at verse 16. Um, before I read verse 16, I'll just tell you that uh, verse 16 is talking uh, this way, proves three things. It shows that someone is boasting, someone is arrogant, and unfortunately, someone is evil. It says it right there. Pretty, pretty, pretty amazing word, I think. And so verse, verse 16, let me read it again here which says this but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil that's the warning don't uh, don't do it my friends let God direct your path now verse 17 instructs us in a very in a very wonderful way and uh, that's that's the solution solution is the, the the solution is not only the the verse 15 but it's the one before that letting the Lord lead and if the Lord wills I'll do this or that and so it's just all a wonderful wonderful thing. Uh, I think we need to determine to do this as we look at this passage. Psalm 168 uh, says I have set the Lord always before me uh, because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved. It's a good a good point. Uh, Include him in your life in a very tangible way. If the Lord is if the Lord is willing, this is a, a proper way to plan things because it will make your you more aware of how much you depend upon God. A man's I love this I love this Proverb sixteen nine, a man's heart prepare plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's such a wonderful thing. Well, it is a wonderful it's a wonderful story. Did you notice the conclusion? The conclusion of this, did you read verse seventeen? I hope you do, you will now. Here it is. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So we're talking about two classes of people here, my dear friends. Some of you have never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. And the Savior comes to you today softly and tenderly saying, Give your heart to Jesus. Let him control your life. Forgive your sin." give you a new direction in life so that you will have his peace and contentment and go about life in such a marvelous way because now he is your savior and your lord he is your he's the one that leads you down life's pathway the other group of people are Christians who have gone maybe to this point and just have not really allowed the Lord to lead in their lives because you do everything on your own and never say if the Lord wills and remember It can't be said glibly. You have to really mean it if the Lord wills. So I trust that you will do that. You should receive, you should know that God will help you in whatever area you need right now. And I I love Jeremiah 10.23 that says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own ways. It's sure not. It's only God. Start now to say, if the Lord will, I'll do such and such. What a wonderful, what a wonderful story. You know, uh, a father was was in his room with the in the family room reading. His little daughter was there playing. Actually, it was driving him crazy because she was interrupting and he wanted to read, and she just could not stop bothering him, and and it was bothering him, and he was upset. So. Here's what he said. He said um, she, uh, she wanted to actually know something and kept bugging her dad about it. She wanted to know what the United States looked like. Well, you know, you can get a map and find out real quick. Well, anyway, he was reading a magazine and there was printed on one of the pages a map. And so he had an idea. Oh, boy. He tore that page out of the magazine. And he very meticulously tore up all the little places of the map, of the United States of America. And he says, okay, honey, now take this and go put it together and then come back. Well, of course, he thought she'd be gone the rest of the day. And so anyway, after just a few minutes, she handed him the map correctly fitted together, all the states right there. And she had tape on it. And the father was surprised, and he asked how she had finished so quickly. Oh, she said, on the other side of the map is a picture of Jesus. And when I got him put together, the map took care of itself. Folks, that's the bottom line. If you will put Jesus in your life, all the other pieces will come together the way he wants them, and that will be honoring to our Heavenly Father. There's not much more I can say. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the precious word of God. Thank you, Lord, it's so practical. Thank you, Lord, that it speaks to us every day of our lives, which means, Lord, we should be reading it every day of our lives so we will know what you are saying. Lord, help people right now. There are some listening to me who do not know Jesus. Help them in the quietness of this moment right now, dear Lord, just to say, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Come into my life. Save me for Jesus' sake. Let me live for you. I confess to you my sin. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to live for you. Make me a child of yours. And, Lord, some may say that today. I hope they do. Christians, Lord, I hope that they will cry unto you and say, Lord, I have made a mess of things, and I've not allowed you to lead in my life. I've done all the plans myself. And may today, these dear people begin to let you do what you want to do most in their lives, is lead, because they are allowing you to direct them step by step. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts and minds of people right now. We give this service to you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. And we want you, Lord, to receive all the glory from anything that is said from this pulpit this moment. If anything was said that was dishonoring to you, Lord, make people to forget it forever. We give ourselves to you and thank you for all you've done for us. And help us to go from here determined to do something for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.